Welcome to Purpose Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. Can corporations be productive social actors? Can they create good in society while generating profits through sustainable business models? Should we trust them in this pursuit? How should corporations and not-for-profit entities interact and co-create solutions? My guest today is ideally situated to answer these questions. Alice Korngold is president and CEO of Korngold Consulting, a New York City-based group that provides strategy, advisory services for boards and executive teams for multinational corporations on a range of issues. And she's been consulting and writing about the role of corporations in society for a couple of decades. In fact, she's the author of two books, A Better World, Inc., How Companies Profit by Solving Global Problems Where Governments Cannot, which I've just finished and we talk about in the podcast. Also, Leveraging Goodwill, Strengthening Nonprofits by Engaging Business. And we talk about the interplay between corporates and nonprofits. Uh, among Alice's many measurement and benchmarking projects, she developed the methodology for the Drucker Institute, which ranks Fortune 250 companies based on their alignment with Peter Drucker, Drucker's social responsibility principles. She's a leading thinker and consultant on the topic of how global corporations and nonprofits can work together on sustainability, CSR, diversity, and and inclusion, how to measure and rank corporate sustainability efforts. Alice is a visiting professor at York University in Toronto. She holds a bachelor's and a master's from the University of Pennsylvania. Alice and I get into a wide-ranging discussion. Uh, We talk about her book, uh, which is a an authoritative survey of how companies are helping solve global problems through profitable and sustainable business solutions that also benefit individuals and communities. I ask Alice whether or not we can trust corporations to be stewards of stakeholder interests and sustainability. Her answer surprised me. You'll hear it later in the podcast. Uh, A big focus of Alice's work is matching multinational corporations, uh, executives within multinational corporations uh, on not-for-profit boards. And we talk about the hugely productive and important benefits that come out of those collaborations for both uh, corporate executives and uh, not-for-profits and NGOs. We talk a lot about COVID and how it will change our views of corporations based on how they are treating their employees now. Uh, Gig economy companies come out, will probably come out uh, particularly poorly from this crisis. Um, And Alice is incredibly generous with her, her time and her insights. And she's been very generous to me. I'm incredibly grateful that she came on the podcast. So without further ado, here's my interview with Alice Korngold. Alice, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Michael, thank you so much. I can't think of a better, more important time to have the conversation we're going to have today. 
you know, there's a lot to get into, a lot to talk about, about your work, about your book. Um, but I thought maybe we could just start with uh, some definitions or a definition. And, and, and how do you think about corporations as, as players in the global, on the global stage of creating sustainability and social impact? Thank you for, for the opportunity to talk about this. So um, the title, of course, is A Better World, Inc., How Companies Profit by Solving Global Problems Where Governments Cannot. And based on an analysis of dozens of case studies, what we see is that only companies have the vast resources to truly solve our most challenging problems, social, economic, and environmental, because companies have the vast human resources Um, financial, technology resources to solve these problems, and companies have the global footprints and the market incentives. Now, nonprofits often have great solutions and perform powerfully important work, but they have more limited resources. I will say that while companies, only companies can truly solve our challenges, They are only successful in finding innovative solutions to our problems if they do three things well. Stakeholder engagement, truly understanding the needs and interests of employees, customers, and communities, for example. Um, Secondly, collaborating with NGOs and nonprofits who bring expertise, credibility, and relationships with a broader swath of society, including remote and vulnerable communities. And third, companies are only successful if there is effective board governance, if there's effective board governance, which means a board of directors with people from diverse backgrounds and perspectives who recognize that the company will grow its value by using its greatest assets to find innovative solutions to the greatest challenges facing our communities and our world. And that translates to long-term value, to profitability. Just should add, it, it, you know, that that is the 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 headline of your book a better world inc and which i've read and thank you for the book it's fantastic and you, you make a you make a, a an excellent and unique point which is this that corporations are uniquely capable of solving these problems how did you arrive at this view wow that's an amazing question because it was not the assumption that I began with by any means. In fact, that was the revelation in the days before I submitted the manuscript to the publisher. So I had done dozens of case studies, massive research, loved the journey that that took me through, and could see clearly that um, Problem solving and innovation happens when companies collaborate with nonprofits, understand stakeholders, have effective board governance. But um, the truth is someone whom I respect greatly read my manuscript in the days before I submitted it and said, but what's the big, big, big takeaway? And I had been so immersed in the research that That was a very powerful question. And I was on a driving trip later that day. And that's when it hit me. Now, you have to understand this is in 2014. Um, So in the context of that time, that's when it hit me. Oh, my gosh. Only companies 
really have the resources, the global footprint, the market incentives to solve these problems. And I did have to check back with a couple people who know me well to say, can I say that? And their response was, is that what the research told you? I said, yes, but you know, I've always had a foot in both the nonprofit and, and corporate worlds. And for me to come out and say that sounded rather radical, but that's what the, that's what the story told me. Great. And the research. So, so then my follow-on question, Alice, is can we count on companies to be good stewards of social impact? And how can we hold them accountable to those goals? Can we count on companies as stewards? Absolutely not. Society okay. must hold companies accountable. And now... Um, in these past few years, what's changed is investors are beginning to understand that it's in their interest to hold companies accountable. So we have a number of outstanding organizations who've created measurement methodologies, and there is an emphasis on transparency. And in the in light of the current can- pandemic, it's becoming very apparent that companies can no longer hide. Um, greenwashing and putting on a good face isn't going to work anymore. For example, how, um, how companies treat their employees in terms of healthcare benefits and paid leave, etc., cetera, uh, that those companies are in jeopardy if employees are not treated the way they should be treated. That's an excellent point. I don't know if you saw, uh, but you, the uh, uh, the FT today. There's a, a piece there. Uh, Jim Chanos, who's an investor, said that, and I want to get into COVID broadly, but um, said that gig economy companies in particular are going to come out of the pandemic harmed potentially because of how they treat labor. And the fact that there are, you know, that pay is, that the whole, that their their entire uh, uh, employment is 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 very precarious, and there are no benefits. So, exactly. he, a point, to, yeah, a point today on that topic. I think, and and it is to yours, an investor saying that that this yeah. ultimately is going to expose who's doing what, when, where. The tide has gone out. We're going to exactly. see who's been swimming naked here. Exactly. It's also a matter of short-term versus long-term thinking. So companies that in the past thought, well, this is a quick quick and easy. We pay them very little. We don't provide health care. We don't provide other benefits and we make more money. Well, what COVID has made very apparent is that only companies that take a long-term view, for example, investing in employees will be successful. That is such an important point, um, and I think it's it, it, you know it is central to the 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 sustainability of the ESG framework. So, how do you think about uh, holding corporations accountable? What are the what are the measures? What are the methodologies? How should how should stakeholders? What lens should they look at corporations through? There are a number of excellent organizations that have measurement approaches. One of their challenges is how to sort of um, how to blend them or which measurement approach serves which purpose. Um, But I think the media, nonprofits, um, 
other community organizations hold companies accountable as well. And uh, the article you reference in the Financial Times today about the lack of investment in employees, that that's coming back to haunt companies, I think uh, it will become apparent to all of us. And obviously that has implications for climate change, um, where people thought, well, that's way, way off. It's not going to affect us. I think we're all now seeing all these issues um, will affect society profoundly. Alice, a big focus of your work is, and I want to move into the um, the nonprofit board matching work that you do with corporations and NGOs and not for profits. So, just tee that up for us, and 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 let's dive into that because I think that's a very unique and interesting capability. And when we were talking about it in preparation for the the episode, it was it, it was a real eye opener. So so give us a give us a good survey of of that work and why is it important for both parties. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, As I mentioned to you earlier, this is the first time I've had an opportunity to talk about this work in the context of COVID-19. And it's it's so powerful. So the premise, which is based on the research in my book, is that when a company uses its most valuable assets, human, technological, financial, to find innovative solutions to our most vital challenges, social, economic, and environmental, a company will really grow its value. The evidence is in the case studies in my book, and it's now borne out, even in the past weeks, by studies showing the value of ESG investments. So in this current situation, as we face this pandemic, it's becoming clearer than ever that companies can only maximize their value and their growth in the context of a healthy and vibrant community. So in order for companies to grow their value, to maximize profits, employees, customers, and communities must be safe and healthy and live in equitable societies where everyone is safe. Every family has a home and food on the table, and everyone has access to quality education and healthcare, jobs, among other things. So if we're learning anything today, it's that the health and welfare of every member of the community is interconnected. And it's now glaringly apparent that we depend, we all depend on the well-being of hourly wage workers who are have now become among the most essential members of our society, but they have been the most vulnerable. With regard to nonprofit board service, we have learned from three years of studies that when business employees serve on nonprofit boards, they gain an appreciation for the impact of the sustainable development goals, the SDGs, on their communities and their companies. That is, that access to education, healthcare, and jobs, food, housing, these are necessary in order for community to thrive and, the, for, and for the company to do well. So when employees serve on nonprofit boards, they, they develop an understanding of the connection between the health of the community and the company's success. They also gain an appreciation, and this is borne out by three years of our studies, that they gain an appreciation for the perspectives of people from diverse backgrounds, for problem solving and innovation. And they take that newfound enlightenment back to work by listening more thoughtfully to ideas and perspectives of people from different backgrounds, forming more inclusive teams and committees, and hiring and promoting more inclusively. They also um, 
develop greater empathy, which again, in these times, what a tremendous value that is. We also see from our studies how much mid-career professionals grow and develop as a result of their board experience in terms of skills, strategic planning, crisis communications, consensus building, decision-making, and personal and professional development, ethics, accountability, accepting more responsibility, uh, leadership development, um, all of which prepare them to qualify for advancement and promotions. So, and... Um, on the issue of diversity and inclusion, interestingly, we found that among employees who want to serve on nonprofit boards but who have not yet had the opportunity to do so, there are more women, more young professionals in their 30s, and more employees from diverse racial and ethnic backgrounds. They are waiting in the wings. They bring experience and expertise as well as unique value to advance innovative solutions on nonprofit boards and back at work. You asked, Michael, how nonprofits benefit. Nonprofits benefit by gaining people on their boards who bring valuable experience, skills, and expertise, as well as access to resources, sometimes financial, but also in terms of getting access to pro bono volunteers from the company um, with a, a board member who can say, gee, we could use some folks from the company who can provide some legal expertise, human resources, communications, and so on. So nonprofits benefit tremendously and know this. And, um, and furthermore, the, the majority of people whom we've matched to um, nonprofit boards, over a thousand people, rise to leadership positions on the boards. This is a function of making a good match, the right person to the right board and providing really good training. We wind up on this podcast talking so much about negative externalities. These are positive externalities that are that come out of this collaboration between corporate professionals serving on not not profit not for profit boards. Um, that's a really really interesting um, outcome, um, and, it, and, it, and exciting to hear uh, that that it, it creates it, it it deepens the understanding of of SDGs of of diversity, the need for inclusion, all of these things that are words on paper, but then they come to life as corporate and uh, not-for-profit professionals interconnect and inter and work on solutions, community-based solutions. So I'm really you know, excited to, to hear about that and know more about that. And, and I guess maybe back to COVID for a second. What... <clears throat> You know, short term, we're seeing the effects of COVID, and and I always think about that that line about it, it's been said about technology. Um, we underestimate the impact. Uh, we overestimate the impact in the short run, and we underestimate it in the long run. How is how is COVID in particular going to impact this dynamic between communities and corporations? In the long run, I just predict the future for us, Alice. Great question, and I think the effect is powerful. Um, as you say, when people serve on nonprofit boards, these issues—education, healthcare, um, other aspects of the Sustainable Development Goals—come to life. Um, as does the value of diversity and inclusion. These are things you can't train people to understand. They have to experience it. And when they sit on nonprofit boards, they experience it. And when 
And as we're going through COVID for the first time, as an entire global community, we are, are experiencing the detrimental effects when companies and communities are not making sure that everyone has food on the table, a home, a job, um, safety, security. So something that academics wrote about, people like me who are immersed in this write about, talk about, was it just seemed like, oh yeah, that's nice, that's kumbaya. And now we're seeing that these issues, housing, economic development, uh, food security, healthcare, that a company will not succeed, thrive, or grow shareholder value, however you want to define success, without paying extreme attention to these matters. And, you know, I mentioned our three years of studies that have been driven by multinational corporations that show the benefits of nonprofit board service to companies, their employees, nonprofits, and communities. What excited those of us who are involved in this is that we've always seen um, seen the value of board service anecdotally and through our impressions, but these studies provided evidence. One of my favorite scenarios I, I would suggest that people imagine is that a CEO or a division or a department head is meeting with his or her executive team, several people around the table, talking about um, a, the comp, uh, a strategic issue, expanding the company's presence in a certain region, establishing a new factory in a certain location. Um, and uh, what I've always imagined is that if you have um, a team members around the table, each of whom has some experience serving on a nonprofit board, addressing a variety of issues, then you have people around the table who will say, hmm, let's think about the implications of this expansion in terms of the availability of healthcare services in the community, or workforce development, or food security, or housing, in terms of our ability as a company to be successful as we enter or expand our presence uh, in this particular community. And for that person to say, so what do we need to do to assess and strengthen the community so that we have a great workforce to be successful in achieving our corporate ambitions? So that was a scenario I've, I've often, I've described for a long time, been my passion now for a few decades. And now I think this, it becomes very apparent that having people on a business team with some enlightenment exposure to these issues in the community will bring a great deal to the table, to the discussion. And actually, in the absence of any experience or knowledge, um, how lacking would that conversation be? And, and maybe you could also expand, and, and I think you've been talking about it here, in, in particular, stakeholder advisory councils, uh, you recommend that as part of what how how businesses should be thinking about and organizing internally. Say say more about how that how that functions and what how should businesses be thinking about that. So stakeholder advisory councils. So companies in the past several years have be, begun forming such groups. Um, of experts with, um, you know, from investors to environmentalists to, um, to uh, employee advocates to meet with 
usually senior members of a company, often even including the CEO, uh, as a sounding board for the company's sustainability strategy. And that's great. Um, but stakeholder engagement is um, broader than that. And companies that are most successful are ones, and again, this is in the case studies in my book, but now it's becoming glaringly apparent in these circumstances. Um, companies are most successful when they really take the pulse of the communities that, um, that they, uh, of people in the communities where the company has a presence um, among employees, among customers, um, among nonprofits. We talk about accountability and expertise and credibility, um, getting the input of nonprofits in uh, relevant spaces. So companies that are good at stakeholder engagement have a lot of ways to learn from a variety of stakeholders about their interests and their concerns and can create corporate strategies accordingly and not be surprised or blindsided when, uh, when things might go awry. But it's really a matter of doing more thorough market research, including, for example, the needs of employees. So earlier you mentioned the Financial Times article about the gig, gig economy, a company that really took the time to understand the needs of its employees for security, for health care, um, for food security, other kinds of issues related to their salary and their benefits. Companies that invested in employees in that way will make it through these days in uh, much more um, effectively than companies that thought they could get rich quick by ignoring the needs of employees. Ultimately, stakeholder capitalism is going to be proven yes. out, proven yes. out here yes. in exactly. these days, in this time, in this exactly. age, more than ever. Right? There's there there'll, there'll be no, it'll be black and white. Everyone will see. Ah, okay, these these companies got it, did it right. These focused on short term, and as the result, uh, are probably not going to do as well. There has never been a a dichotomy between shareholder value and stakeholder interests because you cannot grow shareholder value if you're mistreating employees, if you're violating human rights, if you're not providing for your employees and for the community to be healthy and vibrant because your company will not succeed and ultimately, that will affect shareholder value. And that's what ESG investing is about. And this experience is bringing that into, um, uh, bringing great clarity to this issue. Yeah, absolute stark relief here. Alice, I want to have you back to check in on on this topic, um, again, on the podcast, if you'd be willing to do that, because you bring a tremendous perspective and, and a lot of insight here. Um, and I just want to say for our listeners, I, I, I love following you on Twitter. How can people find you? Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me. And I would love to continue this discussion because I think it's going to 
change by the week, just as our reality is changing by the day, by the week. Um, thank you. People can get in touch with me uh, by emailing me, alice at corngoldconsulting.com. Um, you can download the studies I reference for free easily on the website, betterworldleadership.com. Uh, and I want to uh, acknowledge our NGO partner, Pixera Global, which is the world's premier NGO that involves uh, business employees in pro bono volunteering in the U.S. and abroad and recognizes that nonprofit board service is highly complementary uh, to pro bono service. So we're in this together. It's a great organization and team, and we're um, accelerating our efforts to make it possible for companies to involve their employees in this kind of productive work, which again, benefits companies, their employees, nonprofits, and communities. We will put all of that in the show notes, the links that you just mentioned. We'll put that in the transcript. And if you could also give folks your, your Twitter handle, because you have an excellent, excellent Twitter handle as well. Thank you. Um, it's at Alice Korngold, A-L-I-C-E-K-O-R-N-G-O-L-D. And uh, I welcome you to interact with me via Twitter as well. Fantastic. All right. Alice, thank you again for coming on the podcast. And we'll look forward to talking with you again. Thank you for having me. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.com.